And let's, um, let's welcome a man who's played a lot of AFL football. He captained the Bombers. He's a premiership player. Spent time in coaching as well. A lot of time with the Brisbane Lions. He calls Perth home these days. Gary O'Donnell's with us here on Sport FM this morning. Uh, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Jacob. Pleasure to be here. Nice to speak to you on a Friday morning. Um, looking forward to this weekend. Now, I know Dreamtime at the G came around after you'd retired from playing, but, gee, it's a great celebration of the Indigenous culture and the great players who've played for Essendon and for Richmond. We have the, the two rounds now, so Doug Nichols' Indigenous round spread over two weeks. Great celebration of Indigenous culture. But, gee, you played with some great Indigenous players and, um, yeah, probably uh, a great group of players that you still recall playing with fondly. Yeah, it's a great occasion, Jacob, absolutely, the, to celebrate players from all clubs that have played around the nation. I suppose for all clubs around the local comps as well, we get some really talented blokes at the lower levels as well. But, um, yeah, none um, more talented than Michael Long, probably the, the grandfather of them all as far as Essendon goes. Boy, well, no, you take away Norm McDonald back in the uh, 40s and 50s, who was a, a great premiership player as well, but Michael certainly was uh, something to behold. His, his vision, his uh, just little taps here, little taps there, you know, just his ability to set up other players in, in his team was second to none, and obviously when he had the ball as well, he was a beauty as well in that 1993 series. The, the four games that we had to play in the finals, he was the, the player in the finals and just, you know, electrified the game. It was great to be on the same ground as him when he was doing it. Michael Long's goal in the 1993 grand final still gets replayed to this day. It's nearly 30 years ago and Soss still claims that he touched it. But what a magical moment in footy that still is 30 years later. It was a beauty that solved the uh, Wayne Harms one in 1979, <laughs> whether it was in or out, close to the boundary line when he... Uh, Retrieved his own kick, whacked it in. Sheldon kicks the goal there. This is the next one to be solved, I suppose. But I'm pretty sure uh, Silvani was adamant that he touched it. But that's that's the way Woody goes. And wouldn't it have been a shame if the umpire had a call touched after such a great run of Lonnie? Yeah, the goal umpire certainly uh, he had a feel for the moment, didn't he, in, in signalling the all clear. Uh, six points. Essendon have lost four in a row though, Gary. Uh, all of a sudden they need a win here against an opponent they haven't beaten since 2014. Yeah, it's looking grim after a good start. We've played four pretty good teams and in, I suppose in three of the games we've been in positions to possibly win, but you know that doesn't bring home the chocolates. But yeah, look, it's been um, you know, a better season. The, the team's got a little bit more substance and um, I think they've got a little bit more belief as well. So they go into the game as underdogs, considering Richmond's form last week. But I think, you know, it's a, it's a chance for Essendon this time to, to get a win on the board. With Jordan Ridley coming back, he'll um, shore up the defence. Uh, you know, play on a tall might uh, have uh, the uh, the rewrite role. But, yeah, look, it's, um, it's a wonderful occasion. You, know, you have a long walk that happens from Fed Square. Uh, everyone gets involved, and uh, it's a great night. And one of those games where a night game it makes it even better. Um, the crowd will be absolutely chock-a-block. It'll be 90-odd thousand people. Um, Richmond, uh, you've seen a little bit of them and, and their improvement. Um, it's a very important game for them as well. So um, the, the rivalry's been there for many, many a year. Um, how have you seen their uh, improvement over the last couple of weeks? Yes, it's hard to tell, Wayne, whether because they, the, 
the two games. One of them was West Coast, wasn't it? I think that probably gave them yep. a little bit of confidence in the way they they play. And but last week they looked like the Richmond of old. The, you know, they really committed a lot of pressure on the opposition, getting the ball forward and numbers turning up. A bit of chaos footy, so they they look quite good. And probably a test for them is Essendon on on Saturday night to see whether that 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 is real or whether it's just fake at the moment. But yeah, they've had their issues. They're, you know, Essendon have lost their last four games. Richmond are still behind them on the ladder. Um, so they, they had a really ordinary start. But, yeah, look, you can salvage um, this season if you can win, you know, three or four in a row and, and get you up, you know, back around the eight and, and making teams look over their shoulders, especially a Richmond team that's still got some pretty good players from those premiership years. Gary, um Essendon partly into the season, three quarters of the way. You mentioned that they've played improved football, which they have. Can you see the, a, a change in the game plan and, and something that's sustainable, the, 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 what you're observing? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I think so. The, the, they seem to be able to change tempos, OK? They can go fast and then they can you know, be more measured and, and use the ball by foot in an uncontested march. I still think... They don't defend. Like, the teams don't move the ball as quickly from one end of the ground to the other against them, like uh, the last few years. But they still defend too much in our back 50. So they still allow the opposition to take the ball up to the to their forward 50. And then we have to win it back and then take it all the way back. So I think... I'm not sure of the stats. I think Essendon and other teams still that are ranked first in allowing that to happen. Another team gets it and they don't get the ball back until their defensive 50. That's, that's, that's a problem. If you want to be a, a really good team, you have to cut them off at the pass earlier than that more often and uh, we just don't do that enough yet. Gary, you've got a great feel for the game. You've been involved for such a long time as a player and a coach. I'll be interested in your thoughts, though, on we have three teams at the moment that are uncompetitive, occupying the, the bottom three spots, North Melbourne, West Coast and Hawthorne. West Coast and Hawthorne play each other this week. And I guess the talking point this week has been around the number one draft pick and the allegations of tanking, whether it's true or not, I guess it's how it's seen to be viewed. Do you have a view on what we need to do? Do we need to give the number one pick to the bottom team or are you in favour of another system? Um, I'm not too sure. Maybe the, you know, the, the bottom three get a chance, all get a chance to, to have that number one pick, I suppose, in a lottery. I've in other sports in America, you know, as many as 9, 10, 12 teams, I'm not sure it is, and multiple teams get that chance. And some of those teams are not bad, but they just are lucky in the lottery. So I think if you're going to do that, if you're going to change it, it still becomes those uh, those bottom three teams that are ordinary. But in an 18-team competition, you're going to have, you know, it's impossible to have everyone on, you know, I know there's equalisation in the league wants that, but it's impossible to have, your bottom three, you know, vying for the eight, for example. So it's just it's just going to happen every year. Those two or three clubs are going through some bad times, but they'll they'll rebound pretty pretty quickly. West Coast is a big question mark for them because they've got so many older players. But when they've done this in the past, it hasn't taken them long to rebound. You know, they get an early draft pick, they make the right pick, and somehow they get the the environment right at their footy club, they get a bit of luck again and they, they rebound. So, But yeah, the blockbuster down in Tassie, Hawthorne and West Coast, it'd be an interesting game to have a look at, especially with Hawthorne as well, under pressure of the club with the uh, 
the off the field issues that they've got that are well um, well publicised. And that has been the big talking point of the week, hasn't it? Alistair Clarkson stepping away from his current role with North Melbourne uh, due to the uh, the strains that have been put on him and his family regarding the, the racism investigation. Do you have sympathy for, for Alistair Clarkson's plight at the moment and how this has played out? I do. I have uh, sympathy for everyone involved in it. Um, you know, the club, the players, the coaches, um, the footy managers, whoever was involved. But just that it's taken too long, we should have been able to get resolution by now um, and you know it's it's a drag on everyone that's involved and you know non, non not uh, anyone more than Clarkson that's taken the time off and um, everyone hopes he's okay never never good when that happens he's made, probably had the strength to actually do that and, and step down rather than keep going and um, you know fall into a further hole so good luck to him good luck to everyone involved in that situation Brett Ratton takes over as caretaker for the next little while it's the third time he's been a caretaker coach at a club it was uh, Carlton and then St Kilda and now North Melbourne you've been a caretaker coach Gary you took the reins for a day when Sheeds was unwell many years ago at the Bombers what what goes through the mind when all of a sudden you're promoted from being a a senior assistant to the senior coach look certainly uh, something different. You've got the rest of the coaching team that are right behind you as well. It's sort of a group effort on that day, but probably different with Pat because he's done it before a couple of times and he's coached in his own right a couple of times. So he's the ideal bloke to have there. And he, you know, he was going all right at St Kilda before moving, being moved on. So I think he's um pretty. He's a coach that's pretty close to the players. So you might get a. A real a bit of a rebound this game. It happens a lot. A coach gets sacked, not uh, taking time off, but gets sacked and the, the team rebounds. But I'm looking at some of their outs. You know, Zerhar and Davies Uniac are out. That's their two big outs. If those blokes were in, I would have almost picked North to beat uh, Sydney just because of the situation. Everyone binds together. And um, for one game, you get a really good performance. Are you the only caretaker coach to have never won or lost your only game as a caretaker, Gary, because it was a draw. That's correct, yes. So um, <laughs> that will go down in the annals of history. Sorry, yeah, that's the word, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's not the word. But um, we can bleep that out, can't we? Uh, yeah, amazing day. A couple of goals up. Carlton kicked a couple of late goals. We end up in the draw, and um, it, it broke a run of a long losing streak of Essendon, so at least we didn't lose, I suppose. Annals is, I think, the word you were looking for. Yeah, uh, you're here. You're here next week, Essendon against West Coast. Um, always been a good rivalry. Speak of Kevin Sheedy, he started the jacket waving, didn't he, in the 1990s when he waved the jacket after a famous win at the MCG against the Eagles. So there's no love lost between those teams, and you know all too well there's a heap of Bombers fans here in Western Australia. There is, and there's a heap of ex-players. We're getting together for a lunch next. Uh, Friday before the game and um, that'll be good but yeah really nervous about the game actually West Coast only won twice last year and one of them was against Essendon over here so even though they've got a lot of woes a lot of players out uh, I wouldn't be taking them too lightly they might just get their little one game spike as well next week so it should be a close one looking forward to it Now Gary before we let you go and always appreciate your time on Sport FM last time we spoke to you you were preparing to head over to to Melbourne with a tour group for the Anzac Day game and unfortunately the result didn't go Essendon's way but what a great experience second highest 
home and away crowd in history at the MCG. What a special day. How do you reflect on it? It was a beauty, and uh, of the 20 that went over, there were two Collingwood supporters, and actually we had two Richmond as well, 16 Essendon supporters. We all sat together at three-quarter time. We thought, you beauty, we're going to have a good night tonight, and I promised a couple of things. Um, had we won, but um, it just ran out of legs. Couldn't get the hands on the ball. And uh, they overran us, the little Nick Dacos, the, the bugger. No one could stop him, but he um, he's a great player. It was a great game, a great event, great atmosphere. It was fantastic to be a part of. And, um, you know, if you're looking to do the Anzac Day game again, it, it was turtle travel. We uh, we plan on doing it again. And uh, it's a wonderful three, four days of footy that uh, play, uh, people go to multiple games over that weekend. Turtle Travel, check it out online for yourself. Uh, Gary, hopefully it's uh, another great night at the MCG with a big crowd on Saturday and hopefully the Bombers can break that drought against the Tigers. Thanks as always for your time on Sport FM. I would be so grateful if Essendon get over the line and uh, it'll go down in the annals of history. Is that the word? All the best, boys. Very good. Good on you, Gary. That's Gary O'Donnell joining us here this morning on Sports Breakfast.